Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a very exciting founder. You know, we're going to be learning quite a bit, you know, from his journey uh, from Nigeria to Canada, from Canada back to Nigeria. He's built now several companies. Uh, the last one, you know, massive rocket ship, you know, with a $2 billion valuation. And now he's on another rocket ship, but we're going to go into it. We're going to be learning a lot around culture, around also raising capital, around values and mission. But again, I don't want to make any of you wait any longer. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Nadayar Enegesi. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Alejandro. It's great to be here with you. So give us a little of a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up in Nigeria? Oh, um, it was great. I, I, I grew up in the, in the southern part of, of Nigeria. Great weather, 25 degrees all year round, um, really close to the, to the ocean. Uh, so lots of seafood. It was, it was awesome. Actually, as a, as a kid, my, my two favorite activities were playing music and solving mathematics. So um, if after playing music professionally in the band for about a year, I, I moved to Canada to study computer science. And that is really where my entrepreneurship story started. So then we're going to talk about the uh, entrepreneurship journey in just a little bit. But I know that for you going to, um, to Canada, you know, was, a, was quite a breakthrough. I mean, you went to Canada very young. How old were you? I was 16. My God, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, going at 16 to somewhere so far away without the friends, without the family, I'm sure that that was very uncertain, I'm sure, for you. So how do you think that that has shaped up who you are today? Yeah, it was, it was scary. Uh, it was also exciting. I think doing, doing something, I, I didn't realize how crazy it was actually until, until much later. I think that experience alone has made me sort of like fearless. Like I'm, I am not, I have built the, the resilience to be able to jump into new territories and new terrain, um, knowing that I, I have the ability to figure things out in the midst of all the, all the chaos. So I'm really grateful for that experience. And in your case too, I mean, you ended up getting into computer science in Waterloo. You know, a great university for this. Now, out of all things, why computers? I knew, I knew that was that was the direction the world was already going at the time, right? Like that was the that was the rational thing to do. But beyond that, it was also my own. Um, I'd say my own. I use the word laziness to describe it because <laughs> because um, I at that point all all I wanted to do when it came to school was. Um, solve math and make things. I didn't want to have to read or study or write essays or anything like that. And so like once once I landed in Canada at the pre-university school I went to, I just picked math, physics courses and computer science. That was it. And and and, and that's how I got into like the top um, computer science program. And in your case, you know, obviously one thing led to the next and you ended up starting your first business. Now, your first business, you know, as they say you either succeed or you learn. In this case, you learned, right? Because it didn't, you know, get the outcome that you had hoped for. So, so what were you guys doing with this business and why did it not work out? It was an ed tech platform 
for Africans to access like global university course content. Um, so we're building this out of Toronto and we were distributing this in, in Lagos, Nigeria. We're selling it to people in universities here or people who worked at financial institutions that needed to upgrade their education or their, or their certification. Ultimately, it didn't, I would say it didn't work out for two main reasons. One of them was, um, was timing because you needed lots of uh, internet bandwidth to be able to use a solution like that here. At the time, internet penetration was, was not great in, in Lagos. And secondly, we learned that people care about learning and people care about education, but they only care about it as much as it gives them the certainty of a higher income or a better economic outcome. Um, people, people are not learning for the sake of learning. I mean, at the time, Coursera was also really popular and Coursera had like what, like a 7% course completion rate. So we, we quickly learned that actually, like when it comes to educating people, the, the education and the economic outcomes must be directly correlated and, um, and attached together. And that was actually the thing that inspired us to start the next company. Because um, for Andela, the, the next company, we were, we were solving the global technical talent shortage. We were finding the brightest young people in Africa and like teaching them to be software engineers that could work for any company remotely. And our, our value prop to the engineers on the ground here was we will pay you to learn. And right after you learn, you're going to have access to work with the best um, engineering teams around the world. And that was really powerful because like, people, people were putting in everything that was required to be world-class so that they could have those opportunities. And they did. It worked out really well. So then obviously, you know, as you were saying, you know, this was the segue to Andela. So how, how did it, you know, naturally you know, transition into Andela because Andela, absolutely insane, you know, success story. So how did it transition there? It was kind of like a, uh, a collision of worlds, really. So you had myself, e, Ian, Bryce, like four friends from college who were working on this EdTech program, right? And then there was um, Jeremy and Christina who were friends from a different life. Jeremy also had an edtech company he started that has just went public. And he was also thinking along the same lines of actually when it comes to education outcomes is all that matters, right? And our worlds collided and um, Jeremy and Christina had been talking about something like Andela for about a year before we met. And when we all met, it just felt like, okay, like this is the dream team that has finally come together that can fully go after uh, after this problem. And so um, we just jumped right in right away and said, how quickly can we validate that we can take somebody from just being computer literate to being a software engineer and completing a software engineering task online? That was our first objective. And um, we accomplished that really quickly. And from there, we just started doing the business. And, and actually, that also brought you back to Nigeria seven years later. Exactly. So I left um, when I was 16, I, I left here like May 21st, 2007, May 21st, uh, 2014. I was, I was on the flight back uh, to Lagos to start being Andela. And why, why did you have to return to Lagos to, uh, to do this? Because our, our model hinged on finding the brightest people and then equipping them with the skills to be a world-class software engineer. And on, on our team of co-founders, I, I was the one that had the unique skill set of being a software engineer myself. 
And I, I had also done a lot of like training and coaching through like um, community involvement. So my responsibility was being on ground and finding those people and building these systems that would transform ordinary people into world-class software engineers. So I guess for the people that are listening to really get it, what ended up being the business model of Andela? How is the company making money? The, the company makes money through, um, it's like a, a technical talent marketplace, right? Any, any teams are looking to scale their engineering teams, Andela is the number one place for them to access um, their talent resources. And now it is, it is more than just software engineering. It's, it's anything that has to do with like technology. It could be design, it could be data science. Um, anything like that. And the company has also raised a ton of money. I mean, it has raised uh, how much? Over $300 million so far. Yeah, I, th I see here like closer to $400 million, about $381 million with a valuation of uh, over $2 billion. Now, you know, in this case, you guys were able to get absolutely incredible investors. So now, that you're, how, how were you able to get all these investors from the U.S.? I mean, you guys got the who is who on the investment world, and especially being in Nigeria. Credit to, to Jeremy, our, our CEO. He did a fantastic job. It was a pretty difficult period, actually, to raise, to raise funds for an Africa-focused company because um, not, not, not a lot of venture was going towards um, Africa-focused ventures. Um, thankfully, Jeremy's previous company had gone public, so we had that credibility on our side. But still, it was really, really difficult. And there were moments where he just carried everything on his back and just persevered until the end. And so um, Jeremy is a very important figure for me. He's, um, he's an inspiration. He's the person I think about whenever I, I'm going through a really tough time and it seems like there's nothing else to do. I'm just like, yeah, if Jeremy were doing this thing, he would just like give it everything that he has until the very end. So um credit definitely goes to him and also to the rest of the team because like everybody was able to pull their weight which allowed him to to focus a lot on making sure that we had the the funding that we needed to build what we had to build and how was that transition of um of financings because i mean every every year pretty much you know you guys were almost every year you know you guys were raising money so how was how was that journey like going from one financing to the next um, I mean, like it meant it, 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 the 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 causation and also the implication of that was like we had to be growing very quickly, like we had to be tripling or doubling our revenue almost every year. So like after after every round of funding, it wasn't even a thing of like oh like let's celebrate that we have this much money now. It's like nah, like every new funding round came with the with the realization of the work that had to be done to get to the next stage. So the team was um was super super focused, and I think that helped us stay the course. And then in this case, you know, for you, at what point do you realize it's time to turn page? Because I mean, with all these employees, with all this money raised, I mean, two billion valuation. I mean, that's absolutely incredible for uh, for you guys, you know. So why why did you decide you know it was time to turn page? About um, about five years into into building the business, I think this was after after our CSD. Um, I had now lived in Lagos for about five years, and I had spent a lot of time in in Nairobi, Kenya. I spent some time in Kampala, Uganda, and other places, just like expanding the business, right? And um, it really started to hit me that, I mean, like. 
at that point in Andela, we we had built all of the all of the rails and the engine for getting talent in and equipping them with the right skills. I could have decided to to coast, you know, at the company, but um, I, I started feeling a deep sense of responsibility when I left my house and I go out and I see how like the the um, how how people just live every day within within these different markets in Africa, and I was like. Hmm. There are there are definitely day to day life challenges that we that we have here, and um, I feel personally responsible to do something to do something about it. That was that was how my 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 journey with Eden Life started, and um, one day I just decided that you know what, I'm definitely in this environment for a reason, and I think like the the first big reason why I was back was to create economic prosperity for a small group of people through software engineering. Now, how can we, you know, like make that impact 100, 1,000 times by touching how a lot of people or millions of people live on a day-to-day basis? And um, I contemplated that thought like day on day, week on week, month on month, and it never left me, right? And that's like, after like six months, that's when I knew that this is what what I was meant to be doing. And um, I decided to take the plunge. Hey guys, so pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that, you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back then when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieversen, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of um, a cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com. And we would love to take a look at helping you out. And as you as you are now um, you know, pushing with Eden Life and, and as you were doing with Andela, I know that the values and the mission, you know, has been a really critical thing, you know, for you guys. So how were you able to do that, you know, with Eden Life? I'm sure that you learned quite a bit with Andela, and I know that you guys have spent, you know, quite a bit of time, you know, on making sure that people are aligned, that people, you know, are really, um, you know, excited about the future that you guys are living into and having that level of clarity. So how have you guys gone about putting that in place? I mean, like, it is it is just like documentation and, and repetition and continuously engaging with our purpose. Why do we exist? And who, are, who, who, what kinds of people do we need to be to achieve or to live that purpose of, of, of why we exist as a company? In the, in the case of Eden Life, the reason why we exist 
is to 10x the quality of life. We want to make life um, 10 times better for everybody. And so for us, like the, the, the values that support that um, mission is that we are audacious. Um, what we are trying to do is hard. And so we must live with that consciousness and not be afraid to challenge the status quo. We are, we are obsessed with quality. So if we're going to be the ones that create the rails for 10x in quality of life, then our, us ourselves, we must be obsessed with quality. We must, we must look around the world for all the inspirations of what quality of life looks like and like imitate and innovate from there and, and make those things accessible to our market. Another one of our values is um, exponential thinking. That means we must always look for ways to do more with less. Um, that means like leveraging the latest technologies to make sure that we are um, we're able to achieve larger results with small amounts of um, of of human effort. Um, one of our values is also radical candor. We say it like it is to ourselves within the company. We we challenge each other directly, but that doesn't mean that we have to be assholes, right? We can also care deeply about each other while while challenging um, directly. Um, discipline is another one of our values, um, self-discipline and um, team execution discipline. That means that even when it doesn't feel like it, we show up. Um, and uh, another value that we have is, um, is thoughtfulness. And th this one is more, is more about how we engage with ourselves and how we engage with our customers. Someone can be helpful without being thoughtful, right? Be being thoughtful implies, implies empathy implies asking the, the deeper questions and making sure that the solutions that we provide and the support you provide to each other and to our customers actually get to the root of what that person um, really needs from us. And our final value is, uh, is diversity. Um, it is a value that embraces our, our ethos of just being welcoming to the people that come into our space and the people that, that work with us regardless of their backgrounds and regardless of their, of their sets of beliefs, as long as they're not harmful. Um, and it also, a diversity also speaks to the kind of product that we are building because for Eden Life, the product we're building is one where we're building the operating system for life. What is a wide range of stuff you can find on our products from food delivery to home care, to self-care, to travel and entertainment, all of those things in one place. So you, you, you need people with, with different points of view that can like make such a product exist. And and also what happens when that doesn't happen? Because I know that you guys have been dealing also with, with abusive people. So how do you identify that? And then how you how do you clean up house so that that's not a cancer that spreads? Oh yeah, very good, right? So every 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 company like talks about values until until it's time to enforce them, right? It's, it's very easy to to celebrate the values when they are being upheld, but like when when they're not being upheld that's when a company's metal is um is really tested in in our case on on one occasion we, we did have a very senior team member who was um both verbally and, and and physically abusive to another team member and for us that like that infringes on on how we believe people should treat people it infringes on our our thoughtfulness value it infringes on our radical candor value. Like if there was a conflict, it's a much better way to handle a conflict um, than being than being abusive. And um, once that situation came up, 
we investigated it and on our leadership team, it was, it was a pretty straightforward decision to make. We're like, yes, this is going to be very painful. It feels like we are cutting an arm off right now, but it is better for the long-term health of the company because like, this is the time when we stand true to our values. Ultimately, we, um, we got that person off the team and the response from, from the rest of our team was like super, super positive because like now everybody knows that the leadership of the company actually like puts our money where our mouth is and it has definitely made our, our culture stronger. And how many people do you guys have today? Um, we have about uh, 50 people. That's incredible, especially because you guys haven't raised a, you know, a ton of money. How much money have you guys raised to date? We've raised about $2 million to date. That is incredible. So how are you able to really, you know, get this thing going? I mean, coming out of uh, super hyper growth, crazy uh, uh, amounts of rounds and money that you raised with the last company, why have you been more careful and more conservative as you're thinking about raising money on this, on this journey with Eden Life? A few things. One of them is that it's a it's it's a completely different um it's a different market and it's a different um it's a different sort of product. Eden Life is also doing Eden Life is doing something that has not been done before in this market. So the discovery period is is longer. And um it is better to build and figure those things out without um consuming copious amounts of, of capital. So naturally we are more cautious about like raising too much or raising way more money than we than we need until we have got into a critical point where it is time to literally pour rocket fuel on, on the fire. Um, that's one thing. Another thing is that our, our team is mostly um, is mostly local. We do not have an international team structure like we did at Andela where we had people not just in Nigeria but like in, in New York and in San Francisco which commands higher salaries. Um, so those, those two things have actually helped us stay, um, very prudent when it comes to raising. So, so in this case, I mean, imagine you were to go to sleep tonight and you wake up in a world where the vision is fully realized. What does that world look like? Amazing. That world looks like one where Africans are just thriving. Um, they're thriving because all the things that they need for a good life, they can easily access them. They're eating right. They're saving lots of time because like all the jobs around the home, they need to outsource. They can easily outsource people that they trust. They can get to the places that they, that they want to get to um, on time. Because they're saving time, they can dedicate that time towards things that make their lives better, like upskilling or spending more time with family and friends or do, engaging experiences that just like replenishes their soul. And these things are no longer things that people just like dream about having, but don't access. It is now possible for them because like right on that Eden Life app, they can access all of these things at their fingertips. So that's the world that we're looking towards, one where everyone just thrives and wins because what they need to thrive will be super accessible to them. And talking about thriving and vision, you know, the way that you guys got started, you know, it's not the way that you guys are heading now. I mean, in fact, you guys started as an open platform and then, you know, it was tough to to manage the quality control and then the ship had already sailed. So it was really tough to to turn it around. So what happened there and how did you guys, you know, uh, transition or shift the gears? It's, it's, it's a constant journey of, um, of evolution, you know. So 
when we started, we were like, yeah, we're going to work with all of these third-party um, merchants to offer these different verticals on, on our platform. And quality was really, really a, a, a big problem. Food delivery is the biggest um, service on, on our platform today. And we, we decided that, you know what, what, what we're going to do to ensure 100% quality is we're going to vertically integrate this food delivery operation. So we, we built a dark kitchen. We, we brought on a team of professional chefs. We started R&D. We created our own menus. And like we started delivering that product. We went from a place where customers were complaining every single day to ones where customers hardly ever complain and they just like give raving reviews most of the time and they're like well retained. But like before we accomplished this thing, myself and my two co-founders, we didn't know anything about what it takes to to produce food. So it was it was a period of dedicated learning and focus and leaning on the right people and the right experts to make that to make that possible. Now we are at a place where we now understand what it takes to deliver like quality food at scale. And we have built we have built um processes and technology that helps us to achieve that on a daily basis. So we're now going back, we're going back to the beginning with third parties, but this time around we're going with the knowledge because we know what it takes to succeed. And we have codified all of those things. So we're going to be giving them to, to these merchants to be able to operate on our platform. And we believe that this is how we enable quality for the rest of the continent. Because at the end of the day, we cannot, we cannot do all the operations on our own forever. Right? We have to enable the rest of the, of the market. And um, that is what we are here to do. I love it. So, uh, so let me ask you this one. So how is it now, you know, there in in Nigeria, you know, to, to, because there's a lot of innovation going on, but how is it, you know, being an entrepreneur there compared to perhaps what you experience in Canada? It's, it's different in, in a few ways. So one of the things I enjoy about building in Lagos is Lagos has, Lagos, Nigeria has raw entrepreneurial energy. It's like everybody is, is building something because like the, the clear pathway to to wealth here is actually starting a business, and then um, outside of that, we have adopted a lot of these digital technologies very very quickly, right? Almost everybody has a smartphone. Almost everybody has um, data and, and internet. But at the same time, our our infrastructure in the urban areas hasn't caught up to the rest of the world. So which means that anywhere you look there's a problem to be solved. And if you can solve that problem and, and create more efficiencies or create convenience for people, then there's, um, that, that's an opportunity. So I, I, I love being here because um, it, is, it is constant stimulation with that entrepreneur energy and, and opportunities all around, as opposed to a place like Canada where it feels like um, it's mostly first world problems, right? Um, so... Like this is one of the best places to come to to get inspired as to like what what one can do for the world and for and for humanity. So imagine, you know, now that I give you the opportunity of going back in time, and I put you into a time machine, and I bring you back in time to that moment where maybe you were still in the University of Waterloo and taking a look at you know maybe starting something of your own and and becoming an entrepreneur. If you were able to go back in time, you know, especially after having achieved, you know, this incredible amount of, of wealth of knowledge that you've gotten with these three companies that you built, let's say you were able to grab that younger Nadair, 
and putting that younger Nadaya, you know, there to sit down and to give that younger self one piece of advice before launching a business? What would that be and why, given what you know now? I'll tell you, younger Nadaya that actually you have you have everything within you to materialize whatever vision that you have in your head. And, um, and you have to trust, trust that at, at the right time, things will materialize and you meet the right people and you, you, you would do, you would do all of those things. Um, I would say that because at the time I was, I was pretty nervous and I was, and I was pretty scared. And there were times when I did not believe that I had it in me to, to do all of these things. But I realized that when every, when every challenge came, we just, we just went through it. And it, it, it was, it was because of the amount of focus, the amount of perseverance, and also the people around that were, that were, that, that were, um, that were committed to accomplishing the same goals. So I would, I would really just, if I went back in time, I would save myself the anxiety and just give myself that, that reassurance that like all, all of these dreams are possible. It is possible. That's for sure. With hard work and dedication, everything is possible. So Nadia, for the people that are listening that would love to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so? The best way to, to reach out and say hi is, um, is my Twitter. My handle is Nadia at N-A-D-A-Y-A-R. It's the best way to reach out to me. Amazing. You see enough? Well, hey, Nadia, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. Thank you so much, Alejandro. It's so much fun. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.